so we're going to look into God's Word today. That's what's important for us to do. Um, we live in a world today that I think, if, when I say this, I think everybody's going to agree with me. Um, no matter where you sit politically, no matter where you sit in regards to uh, COVID-19, uh, no matter where you sit in regard to uh, ra racial inequities, um, you would probably agree with me that our nation and our world is in desperate need of peace. We are in a world of turmoil and people being upset with one another, nations upset with each other. None of this is really new. This is the way it's been since Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden. There has been a lack of peace in the world. The picture for most of us seems incredibly bleak, and we need uh, peace. We need peace in the church. We need peace among brothers and sisters of the faith. We need peace in our communities, peace in our nations, peace in the world. And I want to talk about peace a little bit today. I want to talk about um, the peace that finds itself in the person of Jesus Christ. You, if you have God's word with you, I encourage you, we're going to look at a couple different passages today, but we're going to start by looking at uh, Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Isaiah 9, verses 6 or 7. It's going to be a familiar passage for most of us, one that we hear often during Christmas, one that songs are written out of. Chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For to us is born, a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, and the zeal of Yahweh of hosts will do this. Jesus is, as the scriptures tell us, the prince of peace. The Hebrew word there, which many of you probably know, the Hebrew word uh, for peace is shalom. And it is a, a word that you will find all through the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we get the Greek word irene, peace. But in the Old Testament, the word of shalom meant more than just peace. It was a greeting that you would give to another as you crossed paths during the day. 
Peace is, at one point, the absence of conflict, the absence of war. But it is so much more, has so much more depth in its meaning. If you were a good Hebrew walking down the path and you saw one of your brothers or sisters coming towards you, one of your fellow Hebrews coming towards you, you would say, Mashalomka, which essentially means, how's your well being? How's your peace? If you come to visit me for counsel sometimes in my office, I will often ask those people who come, how is your soul today? Not not how are you feeling, but how is your soul today? There's There's a difference. When we greeted one another today, the common greeting is, how are you? But we usually mean that to say, how are you physically? Do you hurt? Are you well in your body? But for the Hebrews, when they asked that question of shalom, they were asking, how are you in the deepest part of your being? How's your soul today? How is your walk with Jesus? How is your walk with the one who is the Prince of Peace? If you were on the path today, you were on your spiritual journey. And I would ask you, how is your soul today? How are you in your relationship with Jesus? I might ask you to draw a picture in your mind. If you're walking with Jesus, where is he in the picture? Is he far ahead of you? Is he far behind you? Is he walking side by side with you? Does he have his arm around you? Is he pushing your back just a little bit to get you moving? Has he put his hand in front of you to hold you back? Is he so far ahead of you that he's gesturing with his arm, come, come, follow me, catch catch up? How's your soul today? How's your shalom? Where are you walking with Jesus today, the Prince of Peace? I believe that we are all walking with Jesus. He is just in different places on the path. And in your walk throughout your life, your spiritual journey, Jesus has been in different places. There are some times that he has been far ahead of me. There are some times that I've left him behind. There are some times that he has walked alongside me and spoke to me, and there's times that he has walked alongside me and been quiet. How's your soul today? How's your walk with Jesus today? There is really no better time of the year than in the Advent season when we ask, How are we walking with Jesus? We focus on Jesus, that little baby in the manger. The Prince of Peace. How is your walk today with Jesus? How are you celebrating him?
in Isaiah 9, we learn some things about the Prince of Peace. We learn that um, since he is the Prince of Peace, his very government, his very kingdom is structured by peace. It's what he sets up for us to live in. Now, we have to remember that Jesus' kingdom is different than the world's kingdom. Now, that may sound um, like, duh. But sometimes we get the two mixed up. We think that our nation and our kingdoms of the world are somehow connected to uh, what Jesus' kingdom will look like or does look like. Jesus' kingdom now and forevermore, the scripture says, is marked by peace. It is now. It is from, as it says at the end of verse 7, it is from this time forth. This time. Christ is reigning now. That's, that's an amen moment. Christ is reigning now. His kingdom is now. His kingdom is some way is now and not yet. But his kingdom is a kingdom of peace. It's marked by peace. It's marked by shalom. There will be no end to it. His peace is not limited. His peace does not come and go. His peace is steadfast. It's established. It's established and upheld by justice and righteousness, he tells us. And notice it says at the end of verse 7, and the zeal of Yahweh of hosts will accomplish this. Zeal, that's a word we use a lot today. Zeal. I think we only find it in the Bible. Zeal. What does zeal mean? Zeal is, is defined a few different ways in the scripture, but one way it continues to be used is to say passion. That which I long for. We could say here, the passion of the Lord will accomplish this. We'll make it real, firm, steadfast, immovable. It's the burning desire of God's heart to establish the kingdom of Christ, the Prince of Peace. God desires it, he wants it, therefore it will happen. Or as we said, it's already happened. The Prince of Peace is here. He was born in a manger. Take your Bibles and turn to um, Luke chapter 2. Or swipe your finger on your phone, whatever. Whatever works. 
Here's Luke's account of the birth of Jesus. It bears reading during the Advent season. Some of you no doubt could quote it, at least portions of it. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, verse 1, chapter 2, that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and the lineage of David, that is, David the king. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were fear, filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord." And this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, shalom, among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And then they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all they had heard and seen just as it had been told them. And at the end of the eight days, when Jesus was to be circumcised, uh, he was called Jesus, the name given to him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Jesus' arrival. Jesus, the Prince of Peace that Isaiah spoke upon, arrived as a little baby in the town of Bethlehem to bring peace to humankind. 
It was the declaration of the angels. It was their words of praise of give glory to God in the highest. And on earth, as we are giving glory to God in the highest, on earth, there is peace for all people. Peace. A new kingdom was being established. The Prince of Peace had come and brought God's peace to him. But if we go a little deeper, if we look farther into Jesus' growing up and into his life and follow him, all of his teachings and his miracles, we come eventually to the cross. The cross is that place that secures our peace. The Apostle Paul writes about it in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Speaking of Jesus, speaking of the Messiah, he says he is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning the firstborn from among the dead, that he might have the preeminence. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And in him, through him, to reconcile all things to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus brought us peace with God by the things he suffered and by the death he died upon the cross. Our peace is extremely costly. It did not come easy. The Prince of Peace ruled in a way that humanity would not think a king should rule. Jesus ruled in humility, in sacrifice, in surrender, in order to purchase our peace. And we can know that peace. Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, that we have been justified by faith. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. We have peace through God because of what Christ has done on the cross for us. We cannot celebrate Christmas without the cross. 
Christmas, as beautiful as it may be, by uh, lowing cattle and little sheep and shepherds and wise men, whatever your little manger scene looks like, with Mary and Joseph and the little baby and an angel perched on the top of the manger. As beautiful as that is, as beautiful as the trees are lit and the candles are lit, we must come to the seriousness of the cross. That Jesus died for our sins once for all. And by his death, we are justified. And since we are justified by his death, we have peace with God. How's your shalom? How's your peace today? It should be good. Even though the world may be falling apart around you, even though you may be sick to your stomach right now from too many Christmas cookies, our souls can be secure and satisfied and at peace. I watch the evening news and I lose all sense of peace and sometimes all sense of decorum. but I can still be at peace in my soul. True well-being for your soul, for my soul, comes from my relationship with Jesus Christ. That is where peace is found, with the Prince of Peace. It comes as we uh, find its beginning and its completion in the person of Jesus, as we surrender our lives to him. His peace takes up residency within us. Peace comes as we trust in him. So, As followers of Jesus Christ, how should we then live? What does does Randall's life look like because of Jesus being the Prince of Peace? What does my life look like? What does your life look like because you have surrendered yourself to Jesus? What should uh, be happening in our lives? First of all, we need to be fixed upon Jesus. Jesus needs to fill up the frame of our sight that we see Jesus, that we are steadfast upon him. As we fix our eyes on Jesus, as the writer of Hebrews says, the author and the finisher of our faith, we learn steadfastness, we gain peace. Going back to the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah says in chapter 26, verse 3, you will keep him in perfect peace, the mind that is stayed The English Standard Version says stayed, or we could say the mind that is steadfast on you, the mind that is connected and holding on to you because it trusts in you. 
It's interesting. It kind of grabbed me as I was reading this, um, and I was looking at the looking at the original languages just a little bit. And what it says in Hebrew is, "You will keep in shalom, shalom, in perfect peace. You will give a double portion of peace. God will keep you in peace, peace, not in pieces." But peace, perfect peace, shalom, shalom, God has for us. As we fix our eyes on Jesus, as we hold on to him, that is the first thing we need to do as followers of Jesus, not just to ask Jesus into our heart and then go our own way. Not just to say, I believe in Jesus and that he died on the cross and he rose again, but because of those truths in our lives, something different needs to happen. We need to walk different. We are in his kingdom. And even if the kingdoms of the world around us fall apart, the kingdom of Christ remains secure. Be fixed on Jesus. Next, as followers of Jesus, as those who follow the Prince of Peace, we need to be those who are peacemakers. Remember what Matthew wrote in his gospel? In chapter 5, he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called the sons of God. And that includes, in this understanding of the language, that includes the daughters of God as well. We need to be peacemakers. Jesus was the consummate peacemaker. He came to make peace with us, between us and God, and as we studied in Ephesians, between uh, each other. So as being peacemakers, we are doing nothing but following in the footsteps of Jesus. Here's where the road gets rough. The road of Jesus, in order to make peace, took him to the cross. If you desire to follow Jesus, it will take you to the cross. Not just to be enamored by it, not just to see it illuminated on the wall, but take you to the cross of Christ, that instrument of sacrifice and death. To be a peacemaker is costly. It means you've got to give up of yourself. You've got to surrender yourself to Jesus. Surrendering ourselves to each other. Peacemakers. Coming between individuals and seeking to bring them together in Christ. Peacemakers. People who speak God's word into the world so that we can bring God's peace there. We are peacemakers. Putting ourselves aside, as Jesus talks about Jesus in Philippians chapter 2. Putting ourselves aside in order to reach out to the other. We become peacemakers. 
It's one of the marks of being the children of God. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Work and commit to being a peacemaker. And lastly, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts in which you were indeed called in one body and be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. That means we need to seek him in all things. And that when we find our shalom not well, we seek again to let his peace rule in us. We pray the prayer, Lord, give me your peace. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Seeking to become peacemakers. Letting Christ's peace rule, take control, guide our hearts. That's what people need to do. That's what the church needs to do if we are going to let the Prince of Peace rule and reign and establish his kingdom. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.